<clears throat> this is the third day of this July 2021 seven-day session. And we'll now take another chunk of our text of the last two days uh, from the book, The Way of Korean Zen, which is uh, the teachings of the Korean Zen master uh, Kusan Sunim. <clears throat> we left off yesterday uh, where Kusan was uh, talking about how to really work on the koan, what is this, or what is it? I won't uh, repeat that, but just go on to this next paragraph where he says, While meditating, both wisdom and concentration need to be cultivated in unison. If there is wisdom without concentration, then mistaken views will increase. And if there is concentration without wisdom, then ignorance will grow. Now let's uh, let go back and kind of break this down. Because uh, the words wisdom and concentration can be understood, uh, each of them can be understood in two different ways. I'll just take one, the more practical, that is practice-related. Here, wisdom, when he says wisdom, uh, he really means alertness, alert awareness. This is not uh, prajna in the sense of awakening, but alert awareness. If there is alert awareness without concentration, concentration would mean more the <clears throat> calm absorption, uh, then mistaken views will increase. That is, the mind is still um, not at rest, and it can be uh, restless and um, grasping at different kinds of ideas. And then on the converse, if there is concentration, that is, um, calm absorption, without wisdom, without alertness, then ignorance will grow. So then he applies this to the koan. When inquiring single-mindedly into the koan, what is this? The vividness of the koan, that is the the awareness of it, really. The, the, the awareness of it becomes wisdom, and the cessation of distracted thoughts becomes concentration. Here, this I, I think may further clarify it. He says, Meditation can be compared to a battle between wandering thoughts and dullness of mind on the one side and the koan on the other. So there are two, he's, he's, he's warning of two dangers. One is uh, wandering thoughts um, versus uh, calmness. And then the other danger is dullness of mind uh, versus alertness. And then he says, the stronger the 
koan becomes, which of course means the stronger the awareness of the koan becomes, the more stronger it, it appears in the mind, the weaker will become both wandering thoughts and dullness. Yeah, so uh, a, lot, a lot of people, probably most people, uh, up until the practice becomes quite mature, uh, toggle between these two, wandering thoughts and uh, dullness. Uh, other words are torpor or lethargy. This is uh, very much characterizes many people's practice in the first half of Sashin. Of course, we all know about wandering thoughts. And then there's also the danger of, of dullness, torpor, even, of course, drowsiness. He says, uh, <clears throat> he refers to a battle between wandering thoughts and dullness of mind on the one side and koan on the other. Uh, be, be, be sure that it's not our job to fight our thoughts. It's, that's not the battle. The battle, as so-called, the battle is to get back to the practice as soon as one discovers, notices that the mind has wandered get back to the practice, to pull free, to wrench oneself free of those thoughts and get right back to the object of concentration, the koan or the breath, actually. And never do we want to oppose our thoughts, either by trying to suppress them or expel them, We don't need to. They will, they will settle if our attention is focused on the, the breath of the koan. The thoughts will settle on their own. And, and fighting them, trying to suppress them, push them out of the mind, uh, just gives them more energy. Then he steps back and speaks more generally. You're not the first and you will not be the last to tread this path. So don't become discouraged if you find the practice difficult at times. All the previous ancestors as well as contemporary masters have experienced hardships along this way. It's one of the reasons uh, I like to read the accounts of these great masters is because they they include uh, just harrowing uh, descriptions of what they went through. Moreover, it is not always the most virtuous or intelligent person who makes the swiftest progress. 
Sometimes the opposite is true. There are many cases of troublesome and ill-behaved people who, upon turning their attention inward to the practice of meditation, have quickly experienced a breakthrough. So don't feel defeated even before you have really begun. So, uh, yeah, to elaborate on that, uh, there are people, I think I used to think about this uh, to my hindrance, there are people who, who look honestly at their faults uh, and uh, their misbehavior, the way they get into trouble or the way they, they get into trouble with what they say to others, um, their, maybe their anger um, and other things, and they think, well, until I get rid of those things, what chance do I have of coming to awakening? But as Kusan is saying here, because of the power of this practice, you don't have to become a, a, someone of sterling character and exquisite personality uh, to have this first breakthrough. It's very important. Don't waste your time dwelling on your, uh, your faults, your imperfections. Uh, your afflictions. It's really the, the worst thing anyone can do while doing this. They come up. We see them. It can be very uh, sobering in the quiet of meditation uh, to have these things exposed in a way that we don't normally see them. When we're out and about in our daily lives, rushing here, rushing there, talking, carrying on, uh, these things are not as obvious as they are when we're sitting. So it's very important uh, to just to repeat that we don't have to um, clean up our act uh, in order to have an initial breakthrough. We just need to reach single-minded absorption in the practice. There's a, uh, an old saying in, in Zen, strong ego, strong spirit. That spirit can, can overcome strong egoistic tendencies. Of course, the, after that becomes the seasoning, the, the deepening the uh, refinement of of the personality and character, but um, first comes the breakthrough. Uh, I um, we had a visiting Zen teacher come uh, to participate in the dedication of the Buddha Hall in Rochester. And I uh, was uh, assigned, this was like the mid-70s, I had the job of being his uh, local attendant. He brought three uh, of his own attendants, but I became uh, the local one. 
and so it was part of as part of my job. I picked them up at the picked them up at the airport and dropped them off afterward. And as I was uh, returning them to the airport after the ceremony, a uh, woman in the back seat was uh, marveling at how Roshi Kaplow had changed since she had last seen him. She was saying almost to herself, uh, to all of us though, she was saying he used to be so angry. Strong ego, strong spirit. It would not, of course, not be limited to anger. It's it's uh, anxiety. Anxiety has propelled many people along in this path. Even even a tendency toward depression um, is is uh, can be used uh, to look deeply into this matter of life and death. He goes on. In the final analysis, the practice of Zen can be said to be both the easiest as well as the most difficult thing to do. It's uh, the way I understand easiest is the uh, is rather the simplest. That is, it's a simple practice. It's not complicated. It's not. Com- you don't have to. Uh, visualize deities or concepts, love or, or, or anything. It's 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 just a two-step process. Listen up. You can take this to the bank. Step one: noticing, noticing when the mind has wandered. This is, of course, that's how it all begins. That's how the practice works. Number one: noticing. We can, we can be lost in our thoughts and our fantasies for the longest time without noticing. And, and until we notice, there's nothing we can do. We're lost. The, so, first, the noticing, which happens on its own. Uh, and then second, back to the practice. Redirect. many people after noticing just stick around there in their thoughts either they want to just uh, hang hang in there hang with them more go on uh, against all instruction they want to stay there with these thoughts that can be uh, so beguiling um 
or the fantasies also, maybe even more beguiling. Uh, so what makes the practice difficult is that we're so habituated to dwelling in our thoughts and fantasies and and it takes this real um, conviction to just leave them as soon as we notice just leave them back redirect to the to the practice you say practice it can be used in a broader sense of <coughs> everything we do all the time uh, active practice uh, maintaining awareness throughout our daily lives uh, and then practice can also mean in the more narrow sense of the breath or the koan or shikantaza when I say back to the practice that's what it means, the latter get back to uh, the principal object of concentration, let's put it that way So it's both the simplest as the mo- as well as the most difficult thing to do, but but of course, it gets less difficult if we persist at this. How so? There's a learning curve. We learn that our thoughts are not our friends. We learn that by leaving them, as soon as we notice the thoughts or fantasies, by redirecting back to the practice, that things go more smoothly. Time passes more swiftly. It doesn't drag. If you notice that time is dragging, then you're not absorbed enough yet. You're not concentrated enough. You can do something about that. Get more concentrated. Bear down on it. And you you find, you learn, there's the learning curve, you learn that everything goes more smoothly. You can even just find yourself sailing through a block of sitting when you learn not to trust the thoughts, not to have have any truck with your thoughts. For most of us, it takes a while. We're so used to uh, just just dwelling in our thoughts. It's it's hard to pull ourselves free from them. But we get better at it. We get better at it as we see the fruits of it, the benefits of leaving our thoughts alone and just putting all our eggs in the basket of the breath of the koan. And then he he issues a, a warning. However, don't deceive yourself into thinking that it will be either very simple or extremely hard. Yeah, thinking about it then is just makes complicates everything. That's why uh, in this particular case, uh, I, there's nothing better you can, that you can do. During during Tesho, but to 
immediately forget what I just said. Forget it. Because otherwise it's just, what is it? It's thoughts. You're thinking about what I said. No, don't think about what I said. Just the practice, the breath, the koan. What I said uh, is somehow going in to some degree or another. <clears throat> Sometimes one can, uh, things the teacher said in, in Taisho can, can come back and later, much later. He goes on, there is no one who can undertake this task for you. The student's hunger can never be satisfied by his teachers eating a meal for him. It's like competing in a marathon. The winner will only be the person who is either the fittest or the most determined. It is solely up to the individual to win the race. Likewise, to achieve the aim of your practice, don't be distracted by things that are not related to this task. For the time being, just let everything else remain as it is and put it out of your mind. Let's just repeat that. Uh, do not be distracted by things that are not related to this task. Well, everyone knows that. That's, that's the, uh, the basic um, injunction in practice is don't be distracted by things unrelated, directly related to the task. But we do get distracted. And what, what do we do? Well, as soon as we notice it, we go back to the practice. But it is why we are so strict about the the whole uh, the whole uh, all the procedures and the um, whole session environment is to make it as easy as possible, or to make it uh, to present as few distractions as possible for session participants. That's why we're so strict about silence. When I went to, uh, after some uh, 15 years or so of sashins here, I went to uh, a uh, temple in Japan, Zen temple, spent uh, three months there and was really startled by... Um, the light conversation that went on during Sashin, like during the work period mainly. Uh, I was sweeping the, uh, the grounds, the, the temple courtyard, and uh, this, this other resident there, uh, who actually uh, was an American from Texas, he uh, sidled up to me. He'd been there years, and he said, so, what's your dad do? I'm like, 
what? And then I've since learned that that's not so uncommon in Sashin's elsewhere. Um, I suppose they would look and see us as being uh, overly stringent, I, I guess. Every, we all think that we've found the middle way, right? Same in politically. Okay, I'm in the middle. So is others, those others that are off. Many years ago, it may have changed, let me say that, but many years ago it was... Uh, it was sort of a thing at the San Francisco Zen Center during break periods to go out and get ice cream. And their defense, I think, is, well, you know, you're creating an unnatural environment. What relationship does this have to um, your daily life? It's so, so different. Um, and to that, I would say, yeah, it is. It's, it's nothing much like uh, the daily lives of most of us who come here. We're much more occupied with talking with people and going here and there. But, but, can we, isn't it worth it, this one week, now and then, one week, to just batten down the hatches and, and, tighten thing the screws to such an extent that we almost have to go inward. We almost have to uh, stay between the rails. Isn't it worth minimizing to a bare minimum the, the distractions? Of course, we can always have distractions even in these uh, strict conditions, uh, but to minimize them uh, and, then, and then to have one kind of breakthrough or another isn't that worth it? And then take take the insight from whatever take whatever insights we we reach in Sashin, and then be able to take them out back into these busy lives we lead. And when we want to go out and get ice cream or do whatever we want to do, it's different. I think this is the. This is also what's behind uh, the the very um, truncated nature of Doksan exchanges. Doksan, what happens in Doksan? Um, here's two differences. The another uh, Zen big Zen center. Uh, it would be uh, typical, or I've been told, to get just uh, four doksans the whole week, or uh, even one of them, uh, just one, one doksan for seven days. Um, it'd be longer, though, so you could chat for 15 minutes, I've been told, The trouble with chatting is then it, it invites dis distracted thoughts that you carry back to the zendo. It can um, 
go take you far afield from the the root practice, the breath of the koan. Most of you have heard me uh, say, ask that that when you first come to Doksan, when when you're seated on the mat. Uh, if you're if you're formally a student, then you do the prostration. But after after that, first thing, say what your practice is. Now, usually I know what your practice is. I don't need you to tell me, especially if I've been working with you for a long time. But I want you to start it off at the core of it all. Because people, people come into Doksan with their mind buzzing. It, sometimes, first half of session usually, uh, they've, uh, they've been organizing what they're gonna, the question they're gonna ask or the experience they're gonna report. And, uh, very often when they come into the room, the, the, the breath or moo or what is it, the koan is the furthest thing from their mind. And so, but I think doksan, it's not therapy and it's not uh, idle chat. And so I want, I want us to start um, at the root, not to come in with all the leaves and the branches and start from that kind of swirl, but but to start, just and then go on after stating practice. Then go on and and raise whatever whatever question or uh, whatever you have to say. But to start it with that, and it doesn't have to be a whole complete sentence. My practice is following the breath. It can just be breath, following the breath. You don't. You can dispense with the pronouns or. Uh, with with let's say the koan mu, just mu, or even just the exhaling mu. There, there's the heart of the practice. Start it there, and then continue on with whatever. Or, or not. If someone comes into Doksan uh, just to check in, they don't have a question or anything to report. They just want to come in and give me a chance to uh, say something, advise them somehow, comment on something. Uh, then it, it may be just just the statement of the practice. Following the breath, counting the breath, moo. What is it? It's a, it's it's a it's a mindfulness exercise. Because uh, I've I've made this this I've issued this these instructions many times before, and then people come back into Doksan and don't state their practice. Because they're preoccupied with what they're going to say. 
now he turns to there's a chapter called Stages of Meditation when people discuss the practice of meditation they often refer to a person having either a superior intermediate or inferior capacity for this task well that's maybe in Korea and China you read you read those about that classifying of in uh, Chinese text too but we don't need to do that I think that is not helpful to anyone uh, and he says however these capacities are not inborn qualities for once a strong motivation has been generated then a person is immediately endowed with a superior capacity so it's not a it's not an innate thing by any means one's uh, uh, ability in practice it changes of course it changes what would be the point of sitting and training if we couldn't uh, reform uh, ourselves change these things and he says nevertheless there are different levels of motivation yeah at any given time, someone could have a, a a different level of motivation than three years up the road, of course. Some people, he says, may leave the care of their parents and relatives and become monks or nuns with the sincere motivation to realize Buddhahood. But after practicing for a while, he's uh, talking about... Uh, uh, well-intentioned young new monks uh, who can't sustain that. He says, but after practicing for a while, <clears throat> they discover that the aim of meditation is not achieved as easily as cooling hot cereal by pouring cold water on it. That's a good one, isn't it? Such persons may become disheartened when their practice does not proceed as smoothly as they had expected. You know, same in Sashin, leaving aside uh, monks or nuns. Yeah, people come to Sashin um, all uh, revved up to have a breakthrough and then get bogged down in the first three days of Sashin with the thoughts and the drowsiness and the physical pain practice does not proceed as smoothly as they expected however uh, one who is has the strongest motivation is able to completely cut off the mind of discrimination as soon as he is told to do so but for those who are unable to do this much hardship effort and total determination are needed before they can achieve this state I think this is just common sense. Uh, I think most of us, well, probably all of us, um, we have we have to de- develop our motivation. That how does that happen by sitting, especially uh, in Sashin, where that's is where uh, surges of development uh, happen. Sashin.
Oh, by the way, just uh, a thought. Uh, this this stating practice, first thing, uh, is, is also, I, I ask this of people participating uh, by Zoom. Maybe it was unnecessary to say that. <clears throat> Most people who meditate on a koan intend at the outset to keep a firm hold on it. But usually after a very short while, their koan disappears and they just lose themselves in delusive thoughts. Well, that's, this is not so different from someone working on breath practice. You want to, you want to stick with it, but, uh, you've, you stray. If someone persists in such a way, when will he ever awaken? Others, after a few initial attempts to hold on to the koan, find that it does not appear to them spontaneously. So they just sit still without doing anything at all. Such people then ask me, what do you claim there to be? Surely there is just nothing. You know, he's obviously um, uh, citing problems he's seen in, in Doksan with students. I don't see this. I don't, I've never been, and no one has ever said to me, what do you claim there to be? Surely there is just nothing. Humph. Uh, actually, I do feel very fortunate. When I read these, these uh, examples from, from uh, these Korean and Chinese and Japanese masters about these, these monks who are, uh, have such, so so seem so often to deceive themselves and uh, to not see through their f- different ways of avoiding serious practice i I don't see that with people here. <clears throat> he goes on the problem here is that although they tried to hold on to the koan they found nothing that they could take firm hold of. Well, yeah, we that's the way it is. I remember my early years of working on mood. It, 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 was, it felt like uh, trying to grab a bar of wet soap. It just keeps eluding you. Thus, they conclude that there's nothing at all. But such conclusions are only reached intellectually. Yeah, this is uh, maybe the the danger of too much study of uh, Buddhist texts, uh, sutras, and other texts. Is uh, you you can learn about this this uh, doctrine, the the teaching of emptiness, and then that can you can misuse that knowledge of this basic. Uh, no thingness of 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 all phenomenal things, and then that becomes something you place as an overlay on top of your practice. And then he says, indeed, as long as you continue just to scheme and conceptualize with the intellect, you will find nothing to take firm hold of. But to then proclaim that in reality there is just nothing is mere foolishness.
uh, you know, in the, the line in the Prajnaparamita, form is only emptiness, emptiness only form. Uh, the kind of person he's describing here with this uh, little gambit that they, of self-deception, they, they're only seeing it one way, that form is only emptiness. But they, what they miss is that emptiness is only form. One more paragraph. When you first try to meditate, you may find that no matter how strong your resolve is to firmly hold the practice, the mind is constantly besieged by wandering thoughts and it seems impossible to progress in the practice. So what should be done to correct this problem? At such times, you must completely forget about what has happened in the past. For what benefit is there in continuing to think about things that have already ceased? In other words, leave the past alone. When you notice that your mind has drifted into memories, get back to business, get back to the practice. Likewise, you should desist from speculating about what might happen in the future. For since it will be determined by various conditions, what can your present thoughts do to influence the course of future events? Yeah, one of the most corrosive forms of dwelling in the future, which just means thoughts, of course. There's no future right now. Future is a thought. But it's worry, worrying about the future. Some people are, are this is their, their um, propensity, their proclivity is to dwell in the future. And it may be, if it's not uh, planning or rehearsing, then it's worrying. I like what uh, David Mamet, the uh, playwright, what he said about worry. He said, worry is just interest paid on a debt that never comes due. And another, another f- famous name in the arts, Tennessee Williams, referring to the past, says, Has it ever struck you that life is all memory except for the one present moment that goes by so quickly you hardly catch it going? The real real essence of Zen teaching is not limited to Zen practice. Uh, It's... Many people in the arts and in and in uh, um, athletic uh, endeavors and music, other music and other arts, they come to the same realization that it's it's all about being present. You 
And then he just finishes, your sole function during a meditation session is to sit on the meditation cushion, concentrate on your practice, and awaken. In the case of a koan, investigate your koan and awaken to its meaning. Other than this, there is nothing to do. So why do you needlessly waste this precious time by entertaining thoughts about what has been and what might be? Our time is up now. We'll stop and recite the four vows. <laughs>